Welcome to episode four of the Coaching and Mentoring Podcast, season two. My name's Dave T, Chair of the Wales Coaching Centre at the University of South Wales. We provide coaching, mentoring and supervision, working with individual practitioners to develop their coaching and mentoring expertise and with organisations to help their coaching and mentoring practice to flourish. Our guest for this episode is Marie Edwards. Marie is an experienced coach, coaching supervisor, coaching skills trainer and consultant as well as researcher with plenty of experience working at a strategic level within government and the public sector. Today we're going to talk about creating a resilient workforce and discuss some considerations for our leaders. Welcome Marie. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Very keen to get to talking about resilience. It's a very important topic. But before we get to that, would you mind starting by telling our listeners, please, something about your background and especially how you first became interested and involved in coaching? Yes, of course. So, well, I've been in learning and development field, gosh, for about 17 years now. And I first came across coaching in... Well, if I remember rightly, about 2009, when I first did my ILM Level 5. So I really, really enjoyed it. And the journey just went from there. So I went on then to complete my Level 7 executive coaching and mentoring and also to become a supervisor several years later. So I've been part of a network of, of some description ever since then working both internally in organisations, but also externally across the wider public sector through regional networks as well. So, yeah, that's been a really rewarding and, and fascinating part of my role. I've moved around a bit, but I've tended to have been involved in setting up and managing coaching networks within the organisations that I've been in. And again, that's been a, a really good learning experience working with coaches as they're coming through their qualifications and understanding what it takes to embed coaching into an organization. And that's not without its challenges as well. But again, it's 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 really lovely to work with people who are at the beginning of their journeys. Aside from that, I am a researcher as well. So that's probably my most recent thing. I took the interest in uh, sort of coaching to another level, I think you could say. So I started a PhD in 2016, which, well, aside from a break over the pandemic period, I'm still valiantly plugging away at. So, <laughs> More power to you. Oh, Thank yes. you very, very much. So lots of interesting involvements in uh, the world of coaching in one way or another. Let's move the focus then to the topic for this podcast, resilience. And if you could tell us why it's particularly important now more than ever that we should be looking to build and maintain a resilient workforce? I think perhaps it'd be helpful first to, to think about you know how we define resilience because there's a plethora of definitions out there. One I particularly like is from CIPD and they describe it as the ability to adapt to change or to adapt to your circumstances and be able to reduce your stress levels in the face of change, and also to learn from the difficulties and then improve yourself going forward. And I do like that one because I think it emphasises the benefits for the individual, so in terms of reducing the stress levels, but 
also in learning from the difficulties and, and using that to grow. I think you know some of the some of the definitions people use, like you use bounce back ability or the you know things like that, and I, I'm not sure how helpful they are because I think sometimes that makes it sound as though resilience is that super grit you keep going you you know you never give up and you just keep on keeping on and that just puts pressure on people to be superhuman or just puts pressure on them I think in, in so many ways so we need to be quite careful I think when talking about resilience because I think when you look at it objectively of course it's a very positive quality or, or skill however you want to define it but it can be misinterpreted in that way just thinking back to the workshop, I was at the conference in 2020 and I explored some research there, which looked at when it comes to resilience, more isn't always better. And I know that sounds a bit paradoxical, but what was meant by that is that the impact of stress on us can be hugely detrimental. And sometimes it's people who put the brakes on earlier who have lower levels of resilience, they are the ones who tend to cope better and manage better and have less physical side effects. So I think we understand on, on a level that resilience in its pure sense is, is really helpful in getting us to achieve what we want without compromising our well-being or to recover from setbacks. But sometimes I think we can we can misunderstand it as well. And I mean, there was a time, I, I'll admit, when I, I became so fed up with the word. <laughs> you know, it felt like it had become a, like a stick to beat people with. You know, you're not coping. Well, you need to be more resilient. You know, and it, it just felt insulting. So sometimes, you know, organizations will put support in place to help develop resilience. And it's, you know, it's, it's very well-meaning. And that support is really, really important. But it's not always viewed with appreciation, I think. I was in a, a webinar, oh gosh, some time ago now, and a senior clinician, it was, made the point, a very similar point, that they were fed up of hearing that message about resilience because it was almost as if by implication they were being told that they weren't strong enough or they weren't resilient enough and they needed to develop themselves, they needed to change. So what they heard wasn't let us help you manage the stresses better, which was you know, no doubt the intention. What they heard is the problem is you and the problem is your attitude. And while resilience in the individual is absolutely key, I think just putting the focus solely on that does fail to acknowledge the other factors. So the culture, the system, the environment that they operate in, when it, it's it's quite likely that things could be done to adapt those as well. So it's, it's as if almost the difficulties they were experiencing were due to some kind of personal deficiency rather than a product of the system within which they worked. When I suppose the reality is there's probably a balance, a balance there. Okay, that's right. I mean, you mentioned a number of factors. If I could hone in particularly on, uh, you, you talked about the role that culture can have, the impact that might have on how a, an individual feels they're required to be resilient. Tell us a bit more about that, please. Well, I think in terms of the culture that we work in, and that's one place where coaching, I think, can be really helpful for leaders. So one of the things I, I want to talk a little bit about in the masterclass is about mimetic theory and the way in which we mimic 
the people that are closest and compare ourselves to people closest to us. So I suppose you could liken it to that analogy about being on the dance floor rather than the balcony. You don't really see what's going on and you don't see. And another perhaps less palatable example is what they say about frogs in a, in a saucepan. When you bring it slowly to the boil, they don't realise they're, you know, they're, they're cooking. So I think the culture can have a huge impact on that. And particularly, I'm sure people will recognise this, where organisations tend to wear busyness as a badge of honour. So you ask the question, oh, how's it going? And rarely will you get an answer that's not something like, oh, really busy, or it's been back to back today, or it's been a bit stressful, it's been a bit frantic. You, you know, you don't hear people saying, oh, I've had a really good day. I've had time out and I've, I've had time to reflect and I've had time to think because then you're worried the person's going to come back and say, well, actually, you haven't got enough on your plate. <laughs> come do some of my job. So I think just, just things like, I'm sure people can add so many different examples to that. But yeah, so I suppose it's about being aware of what happens around you. There's a definition of culture, and I can't quite remember it now, but it's something along the lines of culture isn't just the behaviours that we see, it's the behaviours that we see that are rewarded. I think that is a key thing as well. Are the people who work their standard working hours treated differently to the ones who work extra long hours, you know, and and just things like that? Gosh. And you mentioned... But more resilience isn't always better. So I'm presuming a complete absence of resilience might have detrimental effects. And there's probably a a sweet spot in between those two extremes. And that's going to be different from one person to another rather than everyone having an identical optimum point of resilience. So for us as coaches and mentors, what might we do in the coaching space to help people identify what that sweet spot is for them? I think that's really important and that's a really important aspect of the coaching is helping people to step outside of that environment and understand understand what's coming from within and what's coming as a product of the culture. So I suppose what it comes back to is developing that emotional intelligence so that self-awareness to know what your limits are, what you need to do to increase your resilience. A lot of people complain of burnout. And again, that's something that's often understood to be too much of something, but it, it's not so much. It stresses too much in some ways, but burnout can also be the result of not enough. So like you say, a one size fits all approach, it's never going to, to suit everybody. So Whereas some people may be exhausted and may need rest or may need to employ different strategies to help them sort of relax, others may feel that what they need in order to sort of find their mojo again or to feel less stressed or burnt out is something completely different, something new, something energizing that lights them up. And I think by doing that work with a coach, by exploring what it is in you that contributes to your feeling of well-being that makes you light up that brings you joy that makes you motivated that can be a really helpful way of improving your your overall resilience fantastic and if we apply that then at an organizational level what 
might we do to encourage leaders to think about the wider impact that things like the, the systems they put in place, obviously the culture, be it you know, formally expressed or emergent, the, the impact that might be having on the organisation and its people? I mean, it's a really good question. And, you know, when we say about leaders, you know, we, we're talking about people at all levels, I would say. And, you know, there'll be people listening to this who are leaders and maybe feel that because they're in such a large organisation, they're at the mercy of the sort of overall culture. But I think we have to look at our, go back to the circle of influence, what can we control? And I think what we need to do is, as well as developing that self-awareness, is develop as part of emotional intelligence, of course, is develop that other awareness as well. So, you know, I think in some levels, and I know it sounds simplistic, but it is about understanding the people that we work with and the people that we lead. And if you're talking about a leader of a team, that's one thing. If you're talking about a leader of an organization, you can't possibly know everybody in your organization unless it's very, very small. So I think having an eye on what people are telling you. So, you know, Good organisations will always, you know, consult with staff, will ask for feedback. And there may be, at times, there may be things that are completely out of their control. You know, there may be staffing difficulties, huge amounts of sickness. You know, COVID has obviously exacerbated that. And, you know, people may well be working longer hours than they should be or they're doing more than they would normally be. And there isn't an easy answer to it. And I, I wouldn't pretend to say there is. But what I would say is sometimes... What people want is to feel heard. You know, they understand. They understand the pressures. They understand there's difficulties. But just to acknowledge that sometimes, yeah, the situation is crap. It is. And there isn't an easy answer. But we hear you and we understand. And, you know, we do whatever we can to to support and to help. And I think that that is a big thing for a lot of people, just to be able to be heard, be seen and to be acknowledged. And just thinking there's so much you could say with leaders at, at different levels. I think if you're, you know, talking about a team you work closely with, then talk to them, listen to them and understand what each individual needs. Help them, you know, in that same way to find their motivation, what brings their resilience up. But when it's a wider organisation, then I suppose it's about rewarding the behaviours that lead to those kinds of conversations. I love that mention, particularly of emotional intelligence. I've coached more than one executive who are often quite internally referenced, confident in their judgment, quite driven. It's a reason why they're in that role and not someone else. And sometimes they can assume that everyone else is like them. Yes. And not everyone wants to one day become the chief executive. Not everyone is as driven as them. And it's often encouraging them to have that insight. You're nodding. Have you ever come across that assumption that everyone has the same drivers and uh, motivations that I do in a client? Oh, well, I, I can certainly empathise with not having the, the drive to take on a position at that level. And, you know, I'll applaud people who do because it's a, it's a huge responsibility in some, in, well, I suppose in all cases. But yeah, I think there is a tendency and it depends, you know, we're both in a field of 
personal and professional development. So these concepts are second nature to us. We've we've kind of known of them for years. We, they, we work with them every day. But if you've come through a very different trajectory in your career, then that may be something which is completely and utterly unfamiliar for you. So again, I think, you know, that is only to be expected in many cases. And that's where executive coaching can be a, a huge huge bonus because it will give that executive who may feel you know I think sometimes we may overlook that people in that position can feel very vulnerable as well and that is where that perhaps that appearance sometimes comes of yes I I have all the answers yes I I don't need to develop I know everything but maybe sharing that space with an executive coach where they can explore those beliefs and those assumptions and begin to understand okay well not everybody feels the same way I do I think that could be really really helpful okay let's think about what some of the challenges there might be for leaders if they are really mindful of all of this if they want to create that positive culture where the people are resilient, where the organisation hopefully as a result is resilient, where people can find that sweet spot and there's that openness of communication, that psychological safety to say, oh, hang on a minute, this is, you know, more isn't always better and I feel that my performance and my well-being is going to be impacted if I keep getting more. So what sorts of challenges might leaders face if they're trying to get their staff to that space? The challenges, do you know, I think one thing that has happened, and I'm, a, you know, I'm a big fan of positive psychology. I think it gives us so much in terms of resources and tools. But I think, in some cases, it's taken a bit too far. And I think what we really need to do is sound a note of caution when it comes to talking about positivity in the workplace, because what we don't want is to start ignoring issues and saying everything's wonderful and just reframing everything as an opportunity you know your redundancy is an opportunity for a new chapter you know people see through that instantly so again like going back to what I said it, it is about sometimes being willing to to acknowledge that you know things are not as they should be are not perfect but I think that's key for resilience I think the for me the resilient person isn't the one who relentlessly says everything's wonderful and positive and keeps going. I think the truly resilient person is the one who feels confident, comfortable and able to sit with uncertainty, with ambiguity, with, with pain even, and to let that process happen rather than avoiding it. And perhaps that's something we can do as well is help people to understand that that's okay. If something has happened that you feel is detrimental, you are going to feel really bad about it. And we're with you through that. But also then helping them to move through it and come out the other side and obviously not not wallowing it, for example. So it's about, I suppose, honouring those negative emotions that are telling us something. I think there are, you know, in terms of resilience as well there are physical factors that impact and I've been looking into this quite a lot recently and there are things that as leaders you you don't have a heck of a lot of control over but you know things like sleep and diet and exercise 
there's so much evidence um, of the impact of these on, on our well-being and therefore our resilience levels. But if you are working way and above over your, if you work in shifts, if you're working such hours, if you don't get breaks, so you end up eating junk food, for example, then there is something there of the culture and the system that's impacting on your other well-being, your, you know, your ability to, to look after yourself. Tell us about the importance that having relationships with your colleagues has, particularly for staff who are working remotely. Yes, I think relationships are absolutely key to our resilience and the connectedness we feel with our colleagues and how connected we feel to the organisation as well. And of course, you know, working in a more agile or hybrid approach, you know, it, it has had an impact on that. And I wouldn't say it's it's wholly negative. There's been, you know, I'm sure there have been advantages for people. I'm not sure we're going to see the full impact of that for quite some time. I think even those who vastly prefer working from home and, you know, maybe think they don't miss that interaction to a large degree, there is still some detrimental effect. Just to give one example of that, as a manager, I might see one of my team for a meeting first thing in the morning and all seems well and that's good. But if we were in the office later on that day, if that same person had a difficult meeting and was looking a bit, you know, down or put it, I, I would be able to notice that in a workplace and I'd be able to have a chat to them or see if there's anything I can do. But unless a problem is sufficient to arrange a team's call or a meeting, then they tend to perhaps maybe go unnoticed. So I think one thing that's really important is to in this time is to over communicate and to put in time to build those relationships and keep them going because we need to feel connected to our colleagues so maybe it's you know putting in a voluntary coffee break once a week where work work talk is banned and everyone just has a chance to to catch up and if people don't want to come they you know they don't have to it's not for everybody but um, it's just giving people that opportunity to to connect as well. Thank you very much. I, I do like to close each podcast by asking our guests about anything they're aware of amongst fellow practitioners or maybe something they've been reading about in a, a blog or a research paper or whatever, emerging idea that's caught their attention. So for you, what might it be at present that's particularly interesting you within the field of coaching or mentoring? Oh, gosh, right quite a few things I suppose one thing that I've been looking at for a little while is MBIT so that stands for multiple brain integration techniques and this is linked to the fact that we have three brains so we have a fully functioning neural networks in our heart in our gut in our head so we have that sort of cerebral one we have the enteric brain we have a cardiac brain and what the neuroscience is looking at is how those brains work together to increase our, our inner wisdom, if you like, which then has an impact on our decision making. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the research expands on that. It, I think there is, you know, it is evidence based and there is research there. But I think that's potentially a field that, that will grow. Um, so I'd be interested to see what happens there. Very interested in coaching philosophy becoming perhaps more into the into the mainstream. I think that that can be 
that's really important, perhaps there's some underpinning work for the field. I'm also really interested in following some of the work that's going on on the I don't I don't know what, what to call it, whether to call it the intersection or the intertwining might be a better phrase of neuroscience with Buddhist philosophy. Again, it's about accessing that inner wisdom. So yeah, it, and the resources that that uncovers as well. So I'm, I'm really interested in in that side of things. And I suppose from a workplace perspective, you know, just looking at all the work that's going into developing coaching skills in our young people, so in, in schools and, and colleges. And I think, you know, as those grow and enter the workplace, you know, like the work that charities such as Elevate Hearing Wales, for example, the work they do in developing coaching skills at that level, I think we'll perhaps see a real impact as those people come into the workplace as well. So that's something to, to keep an eye on as well. Gosh, that could have a transformative effect. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much, Marie. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Wales Coaching Centre based at the University of South Wales. We're a centre of excellence for coaching and mentoring and here to support the development and growth through training, qualifications, conferences, CPD events and our community of practice. To find out more, search for USW Coaching and Mentoring.